What is going on, everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another episode of the Bird's Eye View. Uh, so I'm currently in the process of doing my NFL fan mock draft, which will be released shortly. Uh, but there's not much to talk about with the NFL otherwise. It was a relatively quiet week. Uh, Justin Fields had his pro day, and now he's apparently the betting favorite to go to the 49ers. You know, it, it's obviously seemed like a foregone conclusion. Mac Jones was going to be on the 49ers, uh, honestly, as of yesterday even. But I don't know what happened. I mean, I, I don't know. It could just be a smoke screen. Although, as a Fields guy, I would love to see Justin Fields on San Francisco. I would love to see him in Kyle Shanahan's system. I think he would do really, really well there. Because, man, I I just don't get it. I don't get where the hell all this Fields disrespect is coming from. I mean, after the Clemson game, he was clearly the number two quarterback. There was It was no question. Trevor Lawrence won, Justin Fields two. And even after the loss to Alabama, he was still the number two quarterback in this draft. And now the way his stock has fallen, and for no reason at all. It's honestly kind of ridiculous that Justin Fields' stock has fallen when the guy has done nothing but succeed at Ohio State. He, he was a top, he was the number two prospect coming in, or excuse me, the number two recruit in his recruiting class behind Trevor Lawrence. And he did nothing but live up to the billing of being a top recruit. It makes no sense to me why Justin Fields is getting this disrespected. And honestly, I just, I'm, in a way, I'm glad. I'm glad that he's not going to go to one of these t- that one of these teams picking towards the top and he's going to put him in a shitty situation. I want to see Fields go to a place and absolutely ball out. Whoever gets him is going to be drafting one hell of a quarterback. And obviously, I, I do my worries about Fields. Obviously, I've seen some you know plays at Ohio State that were concerning, but in the end, I think Fields' upside is incredibly high. And, yeah, he's the third best quarterback. Excuse me. He's the second best quarterback in this draft. I understand Wilson ahead of him, to be honest. Uh, But Lance and Mac Jones, get the fuck out of here. People will want to say, I mean, how is Trey Lance going up draft boards when Trey Lance played one game all year against FCS opponents? Really? it, It makes no sense to me. Uh, but that's really about it for touching on the NFL. Again, I'm working on that fan mock draft. Any Broncos fans out there, if you're listening, reach out to me, and you guys are up on the clock as of now. Uh, I want to go t- touching on the MLB now. Congratulations, Carlos Rodon on the no-hitter. Uh, so Obviously, you know I've known Carlos Rodon, and to be honest, I thought that dude might be out of baseball now because he's always injured. Shoulder... Elbow injuries. Dude seemed like he was never going to get right. And he was a top top pick for the White Sox. One of their top prospects coming up, and things never worked out well for him. And finally yesterday, he was just nearly perfect. I mean, I mean Roberto Perez, man, it, it, was, it wasn't as bad as uh, when that guy in the Pirates leaned into the pitch and, you know, ruined Max Scherzer's perfect game. But come on, Perez, get out of the way, like... That would have been so awesome to see Rodon get that perfect game. And it was still awesome for him to get the no-hitter, don't get me wrong. But it just sucks that his perfect game is ruined 
on a hit-by-pitch with one out left. I mean, it sucks, but I mean, no here is still pretty damn awesome. You know what's not awesome now? And a team that's, that's probably going to get no hit at some point this season is the New York Yankees. I mean, this season. I, it's Yes, it's only been 12 games. But it's been an incredibly frustrating 12 games. And yeah, you can say, oh, it's only 12 games. The Yankees offense is putting up historically bad numbers right now for this club. They're not hitting home runs. When someone gets on base, their instinct is to ground into a double play rather than move the runner over. It's actually, they're like allergic to hitting with runners on or with runners in scoring position. It's actually insane. Anytime I see a Yankee on first base, my instinct is double play coming. Not let's string together a hit, but it's more, oh shit, here comes a double play. It's been that kind of start. And yes, it's 12 games. But we've seen this Yankees team do this again and again in the postseason. And if they're doing this at the start of the year, who's to say it's not going to be any different in the postseason right now? Oh, and the rotation, Garrett Cole is fantastic. Kluber has been awful. Tyon has been okay. Montgomery's been shaky. We even ERA over six outside of Cole. Oh yeah, it's, it's an issue. I mean, Kluber, he's been awful. He has just been god-awful so far. He can't, he can't get past four innings. I mean, I thought this guy looked healthy, uh, and that's why we signed him. But no, no, no. He just looks like shit. Tyone, I don't want to get on him as much. Uh, he could be better. Montgomery's been solid. I've actually liked what I've seen out of Monty this season. And Herman, that scumbag, as Michael K said, see ya. See ya, Herman. I know I talked about this in the last episode. Uh, but yeah, he obviously wasn't helping the ERAs. Uh, we're not really not sure who's going to start tomorrow, actually, or today for people listening. I've heard Davey, I've heard Mike King's name get thrown around. I mean, it's possible with the extra day, uh, whoever started Sunday, I'm blinking out. Uh, I believe Montgomery started Sunday. So, yeah, Montgomery could go if need be. But it's just, it's been frustrating early on just with everything. And, and a big thing is, you know, we were such a home run hitting team the past couple years. Uh, they de-juiced the balls, and now we're not hitting home runs. And look, I I'm not here to shit on the MLB for de-juicing the balls. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, that's unfair, it's unfair, because now the Yankees can't hit home runs. That's your guys' fault, Yankees. Learn how to hit with runners on base. Learn how to string together a rally. And look, I love the home run ball, but you don't need to hit a home try to hit a home run every time you're at the plate. You see what it's doing? They're flying out a lot. They're grounding these double plays. They're swinging and missing. Especially Jay Bruce. Get, just, just again, get Jay Bruce off this team. Oh, man, it's, it's not fun right now. I mean, just, I mean, looking at this, even the series. Again, you know, game one, Cole's back with his personal catcher, Higgy. The offense, non-existent outside of Higashioka. Higgy hit two Higgy bombs that lead this Yankees offense to victory against the Blue Jays. Without Higgy, we get swept in this series. Uh, you know, part of it was also because Cole was so locked down in that, in that game one. Uh, the second game of this series, again, runner on base. Let's grab in that double play. Let's swing and a miss. Or no one was even hitting, actually. I mean, we were getting shut out for most of this game. And then finally, we start to string together a rally. All of a sudden, you know, it's 6 nothing. It's 6-3. to three. 
We have runners on second and third. Hicks has a chance to... Oh, no, runners on first and second. Hicks has a chance. You know, Hicks had had two hits that day. Uh, could have, you know, come up with a big hit there. What happens? Not even Hicks' fault. A block, Gary Sanchez, who's been hitting the ball great this year, has been our best hitter, makes a base running error, gets out, and the Yankees rallies killed. Yankees lose the game 6-3. to three. And then we have game three. You know, Higgy hit well, Gary hit well. Both are in the lineup. We had, a, we had a weird lineup this game. We had no Clint Frazier in the lineup. We had Jay Bruce and Odor in the lineup, which fucking sucked. Uh, but regardless, you know, Kluber sucked again. Uh, Judge hit two home runs. He really carried this offense. Urshela came up with that big single to put us ahead 4-3. to three. And then we look... You know, the bullpen, the bullpen, which has been spectacular, especially Loisica, loads the bases. And this was Loisica's second inning of work. Maybe he could have been taken out, which Boone did not do. Uh, but what happened was, you know, Loisica almost got out of the gym. But Higgy mishandled a pitch. And everyone, you know, if that was Gary, the world wants to get on Gary for that. But Higgy gets, lets a ball get by him, tie game. Bo Bichette wins this game for the Blue Jays on a walk-off. No error from Higgy. We win this game. But it's just been frustrating. And this Blue Jays team, this, they have our number. And right now, they have a lot of guys on this team who I can say are Yankee killers. Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Vlad Guerrero, Gary All Jr., Springer. A lot of their guys are Yankee killers. And honestly, I mean, again, it's only 12 games. But as of right now, I'd pick the Blue Jays to win the AL East. If we're going to talk about a team, though, that's, you know, the opposite. Usually it's the Knicks are pissing me off, Yankees are uplifting me, keeping me happy. This year it's the opposite. The Knicks are keeping me happy, especially with their last two games. On Monday, they beat the Lakers, and it was a relatively close first half, but the Knicks' defense took over in that second half. Julius Randle again was great. 13 on 13 out of 23, 34 points. Hell, Alfred Payton had a good game. He was 9 of 12. He had 20 points. A plus minus of plus 27. A great game for Alfred Payton, who I know me and a lot of Knicks fans like to get on. Uh, Knicks Pelicans. The Knicks have won their season high fourth straight game. And it was another 30-point effort for Randall, who hit five threes of the Knicks' 17 threes. Which, you know, for the Knicks, they don't hit these threes that often. And everyone, Burks, Rose, Gibson, all contributed for the Knicks and had a major impact. And look, this Knicks team is hot right now. They won four in a row. They're season high, which it's kind of hard to believe that they've been, that they have a winning record and their season high winning streak is just four games, but... Shows how relatively consistent they've been. Uh, and now, look, we're just, now after their loss, we're just one back of Atlanta for that fourth seed in the Eastern Conference and home court in the first round. So, yeah, it's a very exciting time to be a Knicks fan. I'm loving the way Randall's playing. Loving the way Tibbs is coaching. Keep it up, Knicks, because right now, you're, you're giving me a lot more positive attitude than the Yankees are, which I never thought I would ever say. Uh, so, yeah, the Knicks are hot. But I'm not going to put them in who is hot and who is not. And I don't want really to put my teams in that category. So let's start off with the first team who is hot, the Phoenix Suns. 
Winners of 10 of their last 11 games, 13 of their last 15 games, currently up four against the Kings, and there's a good chance that by the end, of, by the time this episode is out, it'll be 11. It'll be 11 out of 12 and 14 out of 16. They're just playing so damn good right now. I mean, Booker, he's played incredible, showing why he's one of the best young stars in the NBA right now, scoring at an incredible rate, shooting the ball at an efficient rate. And it's even CP3. CP3, he's not been scoring recently, but he's playing amazing defense. He's dishing the rock, facilitating this offense, a monumental impact for the Suns. And it's not just those two. DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder all have been so invaluable to this lineup. They add solid scoring, they add floor spacing, and they've all played good defense for the Suns team, which, going into this game, they're one and a half back games of the number one seed right now, believe it or not. <clears throat> Excuse me, I had a little burp. Uh, if they win if they win against the Kings, they'll just be one back. Uh, another team in the Hawk category, how about them Clippers, man? They won seven in a row. 13 out of 15 games, and this comes with Kawhi Leonard missing the last three games because we all know Kawhi has to get his rest. Uh, but look, much like last year, their depth has been invaluable. But the difference is, you can just tell watching this team that with their depth, there's actually cohesion and chemistry as opposed to last year where there's a lot of personalities butting heads. I mean, Montrez Harrell was ready to kill both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard last year, it seemed like. And yeah, this Clippers team is red hot, and... You know, I talked about how I just talked about the Suns are one and a half games back, one game back if they beat the Kings tonight. The Clippers, they're only three back, and they they're fighting for the number one seed as well. Watch out for this Clippers team; they're hot at the right time. I know no one believes in this team after last year's playoff choking performance, but hey, they have a coach who's won a championship, and they have a, and they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And the last team in the Hawk category, how about the Atlanta Hawks? So going to tonight's game, they won seven out of eight games before losing the Milwaukee Bucks. And usually if a team loses, I don't love to put them in that hot category. And if the Suns lose, they're staying in because of just how hot they've been. And the Hawks are staying in for the same reason. They're 16-6 and six since Nate McMillan took over as the head coach. This was a 14-20 and 20 team that people really were thinking, wow, this Hawks team is really going to miss out on the postseason. But now they hire Nate McMillan, and this team just looks completely different. They're playing a lot better on the defensive end of the ball. And Trey Young is just playing out of his mind also. And look, they, they were expected to fight for the play-in before the season started. But now they're fighting for fourth place and home court advantage in the first round, which is just, you know, yeah, it's been a down year for the East, and you would say, oh, whatever, the three games over, fighting for the fourth seed in the East is not that impressive. From where they were, before McMillan took over, it's pretty damn impressive. Uh, who is not hot? How about the San Antonio Spurs, man? Since April, they've lost six out of eight games. And it just seems like to me that their their pause has caught up to them. Obviously, they had, they had that COVID pause. And because of that, they have to make up a lot of games in a short amount of days. There's been enough players getting injured this season. <clears throat> We're, we've seen enough players getting injured this season due to the compressed season. You know, it's been a big ordeal, and players are talking about and complaining about it. But that's what had to happen due to the whole COVID circumstances. And you know, the Spurs, they, while they haven't been hit hard by the injuries, 
the, the, the fact that they miss all these games and they're making them up, they're playing more games in less time than the rest of these teams are, and it's catching up to the Spurs. It's why they're slumping right now. Early in the year, they were a surprising team. They looked like a playoff team early in the season and a surprise, and now it looks like that they're heading towards not even making the play-in tournament right now. Also not hot, how about the Chicago Bulls? They've lost four in a row, 10 out of 13. Nine of those games coming since the trade from Nikola Vucevic. Yeah, this Vucevic trade was supposed to signal the Bulls are trending upwards and they're trying to fight for a playoff spot, which they still are. They're still holding on to that 10 seed. But getting Vucevic meant, okay, we're trying to get home court in this playing play tournament, possibly get that 6 seed and not the play in the play-in tournament. That's what getting Vucevic was supposed to be. Instead, it's been a disaster. It's been a 3-9 and nine stretch with him. And look, it, this team will probably get that 10 seed, but it's not been an inspiring performance. This is a team with two All-Stars. Two All-Stars on their roster right now, and they're not playing well. I don't know what the hell is going on with the Bulls. And the last team that's not hot, a team that has not won a game in April yet, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're 0-8 in April. They've lost 11 out of 12 games, and no, no Gilgis Alexander in the lineup. They, want, they, they have the worst lineup in the NBA right now. I mean, Lou Dort, shout out to Lou Dort, dropped 42 points the other night. But this is a really bad lineup. I mean, most of these guys I never heard of. I mean, you guys know me. I'm a nerd with basketball. I mean, I mean half of the lineup is like, I swear these are like made-up guys from the NBA 2K generic draft class. It's just insane what's like how bad their lineup is. The tank job is definitely happening. Uh, they, they'll probably get 4th, 13th because of how bad the Rocks and Timberwolves are. But my God, this Thunder team is bad. Uh, so that's about it for who is hot and who is not. Uh, feel better to a couple players, both Jamal Murray and LaMarcus Aldridge. Just touch upon these injuries. The injuries claim another player in Jamal Murray. And it's funny because Jason was on the last episode. And Jason was talking about the Nuggets. They've had good health. They've had one of the best starting fives when healthy. And then Murray gets hurt, which it sucks. I mean, he's a special player, a young kid, rising star in the league. To see him go down with a torn ACL like that sucked. I, you know, I uh, just got – I was – what was I doing? I was doing something. I come back upstairs. I had the Warriors game on, and I just see Murray down the ground holding his knee. And I knew that it was a torn ACL. Jamal Murray, prayers up to you, man. Get better soon. And then there's LaMarcus Aldridge, out of nowhere, announcing his retirement from basketball. Apparently has big-time heart issues. So that obviously, that comes first and foremost. LaMarcus Aldridge, we hope you're okay too. I mean, it's a good thing you caught it, honestly, and chose not to play rather than trying to play through it. And the minute you know something wrong with your heart, decide to step away from the game. That's not easy, especially when you're in a position, especially for LaMarcus Aldridge. He was in a position to win a title this year. He was, I mean, he's the fifth best player on the Nets, sixth best player on the Nets. He was in a prime position to win his first career NBA title. But for him, it wasn't worth the risk to his heart. And I hope LaMarcus is okay. He's been a special player in this league for a long time. And, you know, it was shocking to see him retire. And it's just sad to hear that he has his heart condition. So... Prayers out to LaMarcus Aldridge, and prayers out to Jamal Murray. Uh, but that's it. That's my show. A little short one today. Remember, for all my latest episode release dates, go follow the Bird's Eye View podcast on Instagram. If you want to see all my latest live tweets, 
But although it won't be anything anti Jay Bruce because I won't be getting suspended from Twitter again, follow Jay Bird's Eye View on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your day.